Well, let's start with a quote from Northrop Fry, a writer from the early 1900s who said this, there's only one way to degrade mankind permanently, and that is to destroy language. You know, we're living in a time and place right now where people are, are destroying language by changing definitions, changing history, trying to cause confusion, and a lot of people not sure what uh, is right and wrong. You know, we're going to look at some things today based upon the promise that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, the, the definitions don't change when you're grounded in the truth, who Christ is, the way, the truth, and the life. We may see confusion in culture where people are talking about, you know, redefining things that have happened in history. What does a word now mean? Things like that. But we're going to talk about some things that we can do as believers in Christ to help bring about the promise of Christ in other people's lives so they don't have to be tossed back and forth by all this confusion either. Isaiah 520 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We are certainly living in a time where some of that is seen before our very eyes. And Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. I love the statement by Linda Whittington. She says it well. For every problem, there is a solution, and you are being given a gift to find out who you are. We're going to see some things that we can do in this time with there's division in our culture. We have the the virus, the economic upheaval tossed back and forth by certain belief systems and falsehoods being put forth. But here we are in Christ to be able to say for every problem, there's a solution. We're going to see that we are being given a gift to find out who we really are and to stand in Christ no matter what challenges that we might face. You know, a few days ago, Tony Robbins did an online seminar, and one of the people he invited to speak was Suri Lindley. She's a world champion triathlete. She would share, though, when she went to her first competition and was fascinated and wanted to sign up, she couldn't swim. And a triathlon is swimming, jogging, and biking. When she finally learned how to swim, she took part in a competition came in last place and many people might have been put off by that but for her she said it it just felt so alive so she began to train you know six eight hours a day eventually became the world champion triathlete but she shared her life was just greatly upset last November on the 26th when a doctor told her she had leukemia now today she's cancer free and she'll say you know that is due to prayer, meditation, supplements, holistic healing, seeing a nutritionist, certain things that she was doing as far as uh, foods that she was eating, but most of all, her mindset. And she was told by somebody, you know, there's a 10% survival rate for the type of leukemia she had. But she said three things that I wrote down that I think apply no matter what your situation is. First of all, she said, I'm not a statistic. To the, the person that was talking about, you know, statistics, she said, I'm not a statistic. And we can say that as well. You know, there's all sorts of upset within our economy and people unemployed, relationship problems, things like that. But to start and say, I'm not a statistic. I love number two. She said, I won't only survive, I will thrive. There are people thriving in this time of uncertainty. There are people that have lost a business and they started a new one. Others have improved their relationships, improved their health, improved their finances. In Christ, we can say, I'm not just here to survive, but I'm here to thrive. And number three, she said, love and speak and treat yourself like you would your most cherished friend. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy by the things that we say to ourselves. There's a, a wonderful story that shows the, the grace of the promise of who we are in Christ. Robert Robinson, 1700s, he lost his father and 
he was just a kid at the time. He basically joined a street gang. They became these bullies in the city. One day they heard that George Whitfield was coming to town. Now, George Whitfield helped, you know, by God's grace to, to bring about the Great Awakening. And even Benjamin Franklin said, this man's voice, you could literally hear it from a mile away. He had this booming preaching voice. And Robert Robinson said to his friends, let's go hear this George Whitfield preaching and we'll make fun of him. And when they went to the meeting, George Whitfield stood up and quoted Matthew 3, 7 with his booming voice and said, Generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And Robert Robinson and his friends were quiet. They quietly slipped away. And he said he carried those words for three years, just this anxiety over his head, because the words essentially tell us everybody's held to account for their actions before God. And he said, you know, I, I just the weight of that statement and he had this anxiety, and three years later, he gave his life to Christ. And he talked about the joy in that, but you'll know him because a few months after he gave his life to Christ, he put pen to paper and wrote, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. So let's look at something David had to say that it makes a great impact for us right now here in this moment in history, but beyond this. You know, Steve Brown shared about a friend. He said, I had this friend that went through a terrible time with drugs. And during that time, she did some appalling things and she was ashamed of that. And he shared they were sitting talking and the friend pulled out an old worn picture of herself as a child. And Steve said, the little girl in the picture was pretty and laughing as if she didn't have a care in the world. And he shares this. My friend started crying and through the sobs said to me, what have I done to that little girl? You know, people wrestle with regrets and upsets and things and think, I, what decisions have I made? But it can all be turned around in a moment. Regardless of confusion in culture, we can come back and say, you know, Christ, he is the, the solid rock, the way, the truth, the life. And in a moment, you can find that you can live life without regrets because he will make all things new. On that idea of regrets and concerns and fears, Dr. Thomas Paris of Boston University did a study on people who lived to be over 100. He said this, there was one common tendency among this group is that they did not worry. He goes on to share, you know, stress or fear is the cause of 95% of all disease and illness. The Bible says, fear not 365 times. It would make perfect sense for the creator to repeat this phrase so often, knowing what fear, worry, and stress will do to us. So we're going to talk about worry less, live without regrets. So let's look at Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is a psalm of victory. This is where David is at the height of his career. Years have gone since he defeated Goliath. King Saul, who harassed him and, and tried to destroy his life, is now gone. David is now the, the king. All these victories, Psalm 18, he celebrates all of that. But just two verses here, 18, verse 29, he says, You, Lord, light my lamp. My God lights up my darkness. It's from that place that, that moment to moment we say God is the, the light to our path. He lights up the darkness. He's the light that lighteth all men. That's why we can live without fears and regrets. 
not tossed back and forth in a culture that's that's redefining words and trying to redefine history and redefine meaning and basically saying what is truth we can say truth is that god enters in to life to bring light to our path and he lights up the darkness there's a beautiful story written about frank kafka he's an author from the 1800s and it's a beautiful metaphor of redemption I'll just read the words. Frank Kafka encountered a little girl in the park where he went walking daily. She was crying. She had lost her doll and was desolate. Kafka offered to help her look for the doll and arranged to meet her the next day at the same spot. Unable to find the doll, he composed a letter from the doll and read it to her when they met. Please do not mourn for me. I've gone on a trip to see the world. I will write you of my adventures. This was the beginning of many letters. And when he and the little girl met, he read her from these carefully composed letters, the imagined adventures of the beloved doll. The little girl was comforted. When the meetings came to an end, Kafka presented her with a doll. She obviously looked different from the original doll. An attached letter explained, my travels have changed me. Many years later, the now grown girl found a letter stuffed into an unnoticed crevice in the cherished replacement doll. And it read, everything that you love, you eventually lose. But in the end, love will return in another way. Sometimes things change. It doesn't mean, though, that the outcome won't be even more beautiful than we imagined. Sometimes things are lost, but it doesn't matter, mean that the, what is the new is even more wonderful. And that's the picture of what it means to understand you know, things may not be the same, but they can be better by grace. We can come out the other side of all these challenges and even more depth in our relationship with Christ, even more depth spiritually and emotionally and physically health-wise. Tony Robbins says it well, everybody is affected by the situation. You need to come up with the solution. For people that are wrestling with relationships, there's answers that can make those relationships turn around. We talk about them on a regular basis. For others that may be unemployed and thinking, you know, where is the hope? The solution is there. There are people that have lost companies and started new businesses in this virus. Others that have lost, you know, their finances, but they've made even more money in the last few months because they, they came up with one idea that can change everything. Other people have a booming relationship that they didn't have before these challenges. Everybody's affected by the situation, but in Christ, we can come up with the solution no matter what the challenge is. Here's a wonderful story by Steve Brown who shares about somebody that came back to their relationship with God, and he shares this. A friend of mine, after a few years away from God, told me she was starting to pray again. I asked her about her prayers, expecting to hear a description of how she had spent hours repenting, confessing, adoring, praising, and petitioning God. She said, Steve, you aren't going to think it is much of a prayer. I just say to him before I go to sleep, good night, Jesus. Steve Brown shares, in the silence of my surprise, I knew God was pleased. Just a simple prayer, good night, Jesus. That's all it takes is to just come back and say, you know what, God, I need to start new again. Which brings us back to Psalm 18, verse 29. One of these psalms is just sort of memorize, put in your heart, and keep close, you know, beyond this situation for any time. But especially now, Psalm 18, verse 29 says this. In you I can charge an army, and with my God I can leap over a wall. You see, that's the difference between fear and faith. David says, in God I can face an army. 
with God I can face and overcome any obstacle. I can go over the wall, around the wall, through the wall. We see that most evident in the life of Christ where literally, literally an army came to arrest him. And the Gospels tell us, he said, who do you seek? And the army fell on the ground. He did everything without fear because, again, he held the promise of everything is yes and amen in this life that we're called to live in God. And as David says, I can charge an army with my God. I can leap over a wall. That's the difference between saying, you know what? I'm not just here to survive. I'm here to thrive. Jesus is the king of kings. That means that we are called to a royal calling. And then that royal calling, we can face all things and do all things through the promise of who we are in Christ. Napoleon once said, the world is not ruined by the wickedness of the wicked, but by the weakness of the good. We don't want to live with weakness. We want to live in life that says, I want to let my light so shine. I'll face an army no fears. I will walk in Christ in all things and I will leap through a wall. And if that wall is fear or worry or doubt, you can surrender that today in a simple prayer such as, you know, good night, Jesus, and, and trust that he's going to grow things from that place so that you can live more in him. That's who we serve. And that's the promise, the difference between saying, I'm not just going to survive. I'm going to thrive. I'm not just a statistic. Rather, I know who I am in him. So let me read something here by Dana Ives, just trying to Take the whole picture of what she's painting here. This is a brilliant statement, one of the most wonderful I've read during this time here. But Dana Ives shares this. She said, I once asked a very successful woman to share her secret with me. She smiled and said to me, I started succeeding when I started leaving small fights for small fighters. I stopped fighting those who gossiped about me. I stopped fighting with my in-laws. I stopped fighting for attention. I stopped fighting to meet people's expectation of me. I stopped fighting for my rights with inconsiderate people. I stopped fighting to please everyone. I stopped fighting to prove they were wrong about me. I left such fights for those who have nothing else to fight. And I started fighting for my vision, my dreams, my ideas, and my destiny. The day I gave up on small fights is the day I started becoming successful and so much more content. We are looking to thrive in all things in Christ. These are challenging times, to say the least, but as John Gaston said, the trial is not your destiny, it's your university. That we can begin to say, you know, things like, what can I learn? What is God showing me? How can I use this? Because it's based on the promise, again, of who we are in Christ. And like David said, in him, I can charge an army. And with my God, I can leap over a wall. And so in him, there is no fear. You know, we can watch things on the media and... Much of the confusion is there for, for a lot of reasons being generated to keep people upset and under stress. We can choose to say, I'm not going to live like that. To choose to say, I'm not a statistic. To choose like David and say, God is the one who lights up the path of my life. He brings light into the darkness and calls us to join him in that, especially in times like we see today.
Tom Fuller shares this, no matter how deep a hole you find yourself in, if you have a relationship with God, he will hear you, he will find you, and he will rescue you. Though the victory may not be what you expect, it is accomplishing God's will. That's the difference, again, between walking in the light as he is in the light and then walking in worries and doubts. As Rod Arrigan shares, fear and faith cannot hold hands. So we choose faith grounded in Christ. While the world debates what is truth, we stand in the truth who is Christ. I want to close with a, a beautiful picture of what that redemption can look like right now for you, for me, the moment we say, Again, I'm not here to survive. I'm here to thrive. Written by Dutch Sheets. He would pen this. Funnel clouds had been sighted. Suddenly everything grew strangely calm. Then the wind started to blow fiercely. Trees were bent over and the very walls of the house began to flutter. Windows rattled and hail beat on the carport. Jean and Gail Mamert got into the hallway, linked arms with their two grandchildren, and covered themselves with blankets and pillows. Nana, I'm scared, cried their five-year-old grandson, William. Jesus will take care of us. Don't be afraid, Gail told him. Suddenly, sirens began to go off all over town. A mighty rushing wind was all around us and pulled us together into a ball. Pray, keep praying, Jean said. God Almighty, help us, we screamed. Explosion. Windows shattered, glass flew everywhere, another explosion, the walls caved in, debris shot everywhere like arrows. Jesus, help us, you are our savior, you are our king, Gail cried. I looked up, the roof was falling on us, a ladder crashed down on my husband's back. Now start praising him, Jean shouted through the wind. The next blast was the worst. There was nothing we could do, only God could save us. Everything was out of control but we knew the sovereignty of God. We knew we were at the point of death, but we shouted, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Suddenly, Gail said, peace filled me. A sweet voice filled my heart. I've heard your cry for help. I've bent the heavens for you. No matter what happens around you, I'm here protecting you. Tears flooded my face, and I knew Jesus was protecting us. It seemed his arms had surrounded us. I knew we would be safe. The tornado was over. The rain beat down on us. Nana, I see the sky, William said. I told him that's because the roof is gone. No walls either. Jesus had protected us. Fear and faith can't hold hands. In a moment of decision, we can say, I'm walking away from the small fights. I want to start fighting for my vision, my dreams, my ideas, my destiny. Because I know in Christ, I can face an army. And with my God, I can leap over a wall. Because in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. Because he is that way, the truth and the life. And he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow forever.